Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. G'day everyone, how are you going? It's Phil Tarrant here. I'm co-host of Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I'm joined over video, the magic that is the internet, the uh, the magic that is voice and video conferencing now. Uh, my co-host from the Right Property Group, directors Steve Waters and Victor Kuvar. Gentlemen, how are you going? You well? Yeah, well, we are well, all things considered. It's a crazy world at the moment, as everybody would know, but we, we move forward. We go forward. Yeah, we do move forward. And um, I appreciate you guys uh, taking time out of your schedule to join me today for us to have a conversation and record our monthly podcast, which is very popular. It's, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, being part of this with you guys over the last couple of years and watching the growth of this brand and the connective it has with property investors right across Australia. A lot of them are your clients, but there's also a lot of them uh, property investors looking to be better informed. So I hope they're enjoying these conversations that we have. Uh, where we are this month versus where we are last month is a very different circumstances. So when I look back at the last two years of us delivering this product, I think a lot of people get a lot of value out of going back and listening to some of the conversations we've had because the rhetoric, the information, your advice, your interpretation of the markets and how you can best prepare yourself for market conditions and focusing on the fundamentals are now as relevant as what they ever have been before. So for those of you who have just found us, you've got two years of listening that you're going to listen to right now. Everything we've spoken about is as relevant today as what it was when we spoke about it. Obviously, markets move and specifics around different locations do change, but the basic fundamentals of investing in property in this current market is as relevant as ever. So use some of the time that you have in self-isolation to go and connect and enjoy that. Any questions at all, Victor? How do people get in touch with you again? What's the best way to connect? Have you got any... any uh, discussions around any of the things that we've spoken about in the past. So just uh, go to questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au or just uh, ping us on Facebook, send us a direct message and um, we'll respond. So for you guys, as busy as usual for you at the moment, you're, you're still doing what you're doing, you're still doing client meetings, you're still doing absolutely everything as per usual, you're just probably changing the way you're doing a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Like there are some people that you know, across the world, not just our clients, that are you know, potentially having their, their circumstances change. And we're very aware of that now. Suggestions to anyone who is listening whose circumstances may be up in the air is to just put things on ice. I think it is a matter of safety first and to get the liquidity, to have the buffers in place and whatever that looks like for you in terms of cash flow. However, the other side of the fence too, whose potential jobs are secure, they're in a position to be able to move forward and attack, for want of a better word. And it is business as usual. And you know, for us, yeah, clearly, we've got our own challenges in terms of getting in or clients being in front of us. So Zoom is getting a workout. Wouldn't you like to have shares in Zoom? And yeah, a lot of phone calls as well. But life goes on. We move on and we just want everybody to stay safe and keep their health as a priority. Absolutely. I agree with you. And that's part of that big acknowledgement to the healthcare workers out there right now who are going above and beyond and putting in huge shifts to help us through this health crisis. But you know, we'll have a chat about this today over the next 40 minutes or so, guys, around, you know, where we are with this crisis right now and the fact that it is a global health crisis, but it is turning into a financial or economic crisis. So we need to be all aware of that. We need to understand how property has its movements and its place within that and where you can actually find some opportunities potentially in this market. And we've spoken about it for years as well across investing inside the right property group. How do I identify those opportunities and the base, how to determine the base value of what constitutes a good asset and a less than good asset. We'll have a bit of a discussion about today, but I think the primary focus 
Steve and Victor, should be around why the basics are so important in times of COVID-19 or any disruption to the market. And you have a, a particular strategy. Both of you have a particular philosophy towards investing in property. Both of you have a passion for property and you both have a mindset around property as well. And that mindset being irrespective of market conditions is how you choose to approach the market, which means that you can be most effective. So we'll have a little bit of chat about mindset as well and how you guys see the world and how hopefully our listeners can take something from that and help shape the way in which they are going to interpret it. Now, Victor, this is a moving are moving is a very fluid market right now. You know, what is going to happen with real estate into the future in the way in which properties will be transacted? It's moving by the day. So where we are today might be very different to where we are tomorrow. So we'll keep providing those updates. And I know you guys are more than happy to chat to anyone if they have any concerns about that, uh, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. But what we can expect for the foreseeable future, Victor, is changes in movement. Is that correct? Look, when there is any events like this, and, and Steve, we've seen this before during the GFC, and any upheaval that plays with the investor's psyche, their psychology, you will see a flow of wealth happening. So for the people that are not prepared, in other words, they don't have their buffers in place, they don't, they, they're overexposed, and they haven't reacted quick enough, they may lose the wealth to people that are prepared and that are able to see past the immediate uh, emergencies and immediate circumstances to look at what the long-term holds and making decisions that way. So if you look throughout history, even during the Great Depression in Australia, property transactions were still happening. Properties were still being bought and sold. Who were selling were the ones that were not prepared or were not able to hold on. And who were buying were the ones that had the money and if you go back throughout all of our publications, all of our podcasts, all of our audios, we've always said, keep a cash buffer, be prepared, be liquid, always keep your equity liquid. And at this point in time, this is where you can take a strong look at where your portfolio is heading. And uh, true to form, in most cases, and, and in fact, we were talking to one of our friends and um, the comment was that this is the point in time where you will get millionaires becoming multi-millionaires and the not-so-prepared losing immense wealth. And that's across, across any asset, whether it be shares, bananas, boxes, or property. And as Vic, Vic rightly mentioned, this is everything we've been doing up till this point, till this one-in-100-year event, if you will, could be training. You could look at everything that we've done is we've been training to be prepared for this point in time. And that training may have been cash flow management. So when we talk about having buffers in place and looking after the cash flow on the property, it's really more so about cash flow management. So making sure that not as only is there a capital buffer in place, but there's also enough household budget mm -hmm. cash flow in place as a mitigation because those that haven't done that, those that haven't prepared may be under some duress over the next couple of months, whether that be one month, two months, six months, 12 months. And as a side point, nobody knows how long this will go for. And anyone who's trying to predict it is just looking to sensationalize something or get themselves in front of a camera, potentially. And yeah, anything that we're saying, we're not coming across as, well, that sounds really good, guys, but you're the property guys. That's your chosen asset. And we don't, for one minute, want to sort of perpetuate something that's not. All the fundamentals, no matter what the asset class are, are the same in That's terms right. of cash flow management uh, and then being in a position to be able to execute 
potential opportunities. Yeah, I think one of the things that we need to remember is that there are some of you out there, you should not even be looking at buying property or any assets sure. for the time being, for the immediate future, maybe a month, two months, two years. For others, if you can, this may be the time people get more negotiable on selling their assets down uh, to recapitalize or to save their homes or to put you know, money back into their accounts. This would be the time to buy. So if your job's really stable and you've got plenty of buffers and plenty of equity behind you, just look at what's really happening. Uh, you've got immense number of incentives being thrown down by the government. We've got the lowest interest rates ever, and the chances are it might even go lower. Mm. And you can bet your bottom dollar that they will loosen the lending to restart the economy. Now, it's not going to be an instant start. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a little bit of traction. So in the immediate future, we may not see an immense drop mm. in value. And in fact, I don't see an immense drop in value. At the worst case, it might drop by, say, 10, 15, 20%. But realistically, losses will only be crystallized by those people that afford to hold on. And if you track across history, even during the GFC and going all the way back to the Great Depression, the values did drop, but then they came back significantly. And our most recent event being the elections, as an example, right? Yeah. So if you look at 2017, prices, were, and I'm just let's make these numbers up, right? Prices were at 500. Just before elections, it dropped to 400. After the elections, it roared back towards 500. In fact, just before this GFC, we were back at 2017 levels. So what we're going to see is a V-shaped recovery in property and in general economical ability to make decisions. The X factor here really is how quickly the companies will start, mm. uh, given the government incentives, and employment starts back again. And then, of course, the psychology, like we know, most people have taken a huge hit, not only just financially, but psychologically as well, because we all take things for granted. Mm. Uh, mm. We think our jobs are safe, it'll never happen, our mortgages are safe, I'll always be able to afford it. And that'll take a while to get out of the psyche, just like the bushfires, just like the floods. When those areas got hit with bushfires, people said, I will never buy in there. Yeah. Uh, look at Brisbane. Yeah. Right? I will never buy in Brisbane because it floods. Floods, yeah. Three years later, they all start buying, right? So this will... Yeah, back in the flood area yeah, too. that's right. It's an amazing event, realistically, because as much as this is a medical pandemic, it is also, I believe, a psychological mm, pandemic as well because people's minds are being literally screwed with and a lot of the time it's for valid reason, but I think the media also has a lot to answer for in this in terms of you know, clickbaitable material and the way that the internet has been able to perpetuate a message very, very quickly, whether that be good or bad. But if we sort of look back to the future, if you will, and this is as close to a, well, this is a back to the GFC days in terms of consumer sentiment, mm -hmm. commodity prices dropping or asset classes potentially dropping in value. But there's also a couple of major fundamental differences here. So one of them is that back in the GFC days, it was what seven and a half, eight percent as a cost of money. Today we're at two and a half, three and a half percent. Big, big difference. We do have an unemployment issue lying mm. uh, or potentially going to happen. But what we also have is a is a point in time where, if we look at the pipeline, and we often feel talk about pipeline analysis. If we look at the pipeline now, we'll just talk about Sydney as one area. And we talked about this on a couple of podcasts ago. 
is that the pipeline is dry, so there's no construction that is in the pipeline, no massive amounts of construction that is going to be the accommodation for the continuing population growth. You overlay the, the psychological and financial barriers that are happening within the economy today, which is going to accentuate that building or lack of building issue, yet the population still grows. We will have that inflection point, which mm -hmm. we keep talking about. It may even be, be brought forward. So if we have a cost of money that's 25 3%, an increasing yield in the fundamentally correct areas, then it doesn't become a, a debate or a question or a chat around my asset has just dropped in value and I can't afford to hold it because we are looking at this over a 10, 15, 20-year period. It becomes a potentially my asset is paying for itself mm. and now I have time on my side because we know that there will be a recovery. So don't panic. So don't panic is the bottom line. That's the long message. Don't panic and hopefully you've got your cash flow in place and your yep. mitigation in place. I think this is the time to answer diversification, right? In mm. terms of, okay, do I buy the million-dollar home or the million-dollar investment or do I buy two $500,000 investments? Already we're starting to hear from our friends, clients that had previously bought, uh, not using our services, but bought uh, properties 1.2, million mark. There, that's the top end of town, and that's where almost of the jobs have been lost. Of course, it'll flow through to the um, other areas as well. Mm. Um, uh, and, and naturally, just like the GFC, the compression factor starts happening, right? So people that are living in those $800,000 a week rental properties, mm. they would have to reassess and say, we need to move. Right. Yeah, and they're going to compressing down to say uh, arbitrarily the six hundred dollar area. Yeah, the six hundred they need they move to as uh, as well, and they're compressing to the five hundred or four hundred. The five and four hundred have nowhere else to go. But generally, what happens, and this is what happened during the GFC, is you get the rental bounce in that area, right? Uh, now, I'm not talking about value here at the moment, right? I'm talking about the rental, the cash flow, because right now, value is irrelevant. Value is totally irrelevant. You could you could have the most valuable property that's actually going up in value right now, but you haven't got the cash flow to hold on to it. You're done because that might be not around the cost of money, but employment. That's right. And that's so, right. and and further to Vic's point, the reason we deploy the strategy that we deploy is because of this exact mm -hmm. scenario. But this because we invested. Through the GFC and well before it, we, as Vic said, we knew that our rents would go up. Mm. Now, once again, I want to come back to the pipeline. If we overlay the fact that nothing's being built and we have a compression that is going down in terms of to the affordable corridors, mm. it is potentially the making of a scary situation for renters yes. in some areas. Because yep. you remember the time when, and maybe Phil, you remember this, when there was almost like auctions on the front lawns or balconies of houses that were for rent in Sydney because tenants couldn't get a, a leg in. And potentially we're back at, well, not now, clearly, but maybe it's 18 months, maybe it's two years' time, we actually get back to that. But once again, the reason we deploy the strategy we deploy is because of this exact reason. We like multiple streams of income. We still mm -hmm. want the same exposure yep. in terms of value within a market. So to your point, instead of buying the $1.5 million property with a 2% yield or a 2.5% yield, I would rather three $500,000 properties with potentially going into it a 4% yield mm -hmm. 
but I have three incomes. That's right. Because I don't have a situation today where my tenant paying $1,500 a week says, I've lost my job because the market's crumbled. Mm. Sorry, Jack, I'm out. The chances of all three of my tenants in the affordable bracket doing that is negligible. Mm. I still have my income. At least ice cream of income. Well, at least, yeah. Yeah. What are the chances of all three? Mm. Uh, But I I also have my exposure to the market, Mm -hmm. the same tune. Yep. But conversely, though, like, and to be totally fair, and this is where we are conservative, in the good times, so when the sun is shining bright, that $1.5 million property might have an element of amplified growth as a percentage. But you know what? I'll give that to you because it's in times like this where the rubber hits the road and where the mm-hmm. sun isn't always shining that I get to live, I get to eat, and more importantly, it allows me to be able to execute opportunities that are going to present. So we'll be in the receiving end of the flow of wealth. Correct. Yeah. And that's the important part. So when you look at the market we're in right now, we're talking about planning for the future and being prepared. Now, for those people who are prepared and have good cash buffers in place, have some good equity available to them, and let's say still in a, a stable and secure job, there's going to be market opportunities moving forward. For those people who maybe are less down the prepared path and it's a little bit shaky and wobbly, how, how quickly is it can you get prepared? Can you start making changes now to best position yourself for the future? And how far down the path should you be planning? You know, Is it planning a month ahead, three months ahead, six months ahead, one year ahead? How do you get that balance right? You always be planning because you're always mitigating the risk because risks unfold and opportunities unfold on a daily basis. So it comes back to basics in the sense that you always need to be looking at the cash buffers. I know that Steve's now hiring his bobcat to dig up all of his gold now that they stopped producing gold. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got to look after the the capital point of view as well. So you you can't be running your portfolio on the smell of an oily rag, right? This is where it'll come and bite. So you need to always have capital around. Uh, You also need to have the cash flow around. And importantly, you can't capitalize on any opportunities if you don't have a job, right? So mm. the main thing in here is that there will become far less buyers in the market in the immediate future than there are opportunities to buy. So therefore, all vendors that do need to sell will become far more negotiable. And that's something that you know, we need to be prepared for. But again, I'm not saying that you know, we should be ambulance chasers. Uh, no, in not a sense. There are people that you'd be genuinely helping them buying their property. So if we explore that a little further, if we go back three weeks ago and how the world changes in the space of a couple of weeks, if we look at the Sydney market once again or the Melbourne market where the tempo of the market was amplifying daily and into a very, very buoyant market, those very same markets now I would suggest will come back to a normalised market in terms of the amount of buyers and sellers necessary Mm -hmm. so that The the tempo of the market will reach a point of first equilibrium. So as it drops from a seller's market now into a point of equilibrium, enough buyers for enough sellers, and then potentially from a psychological point of view, the sellers will be thinking to themselves, well, I'm scared there's not going to be enough buyers. So now from a buyer's point of view, it becomes not a price-driven scenario or negotiation. It becomes a terms and price given scenario. Yep. So no more 66 Ws for all you New South Welshmen that know what that means, uh, an unconditional contract or a cash offer. You will be coming into a time where you have all the cards rather than the buyer has all the cards. But first of all, you need your employment because that means cash flow and that means security. 
when you guys, you know, are keeping abreast of what's happening right now and the rapid period of the state of changes, now this is really a, a three-week scenario that we're in right now, maybe nearing a month for people who are on a little bit, bit tighter. It just goes to show, last time we got together, we were talking about it being a seller's market. You know, there was uh, not many properties for sale and a whole bunch of buyers out there trying to secure it. It's changed pretty much overnight, hasn't it? It has. It has. And this is the point. And we don't want to be the people that say, we told you so. However, but we did, did, is that markets are fickle. Things change quickly, but the data will lag. And Mm. if I give you the the both scenarios, so let's talk about the shares and the stock exchange versus property. Not that I'm trying to create a battle of which is better because they both have their place. And we did a video and talked about this the other day, but the tempo of the share market is measured by the second, by the minute, by the hour, by the day, by the week. And you can see those fluctuations immediately. So that will give you an indication of what people's psychology is or psyche is into that market immediately. The share market's plunged by some 40%. However, if we look at property and someone has the same psychological scenario where they're panicking and there's mild forms of anxiety, the measurement in terms of their psyche is four months long. Because what happens is, first you need to have the argument with yourself, should I sell the property? Once you've made the decision, you need to find the agent, then you need contracts drawn up, then the property needs to be marketed, then a buyer has to be found, and then there's the settlement period. So that could be a two to four to six month period. And or then, if you've got the terms, it could be 12 months. And, or if you've got the terms, it could be 12 months. And then there's another couple of months on top of that for the data to show up. Mm-hmm. So we won't know, if you're an unsophisticated investor or you're just an observer that's looking for purely data, you won't see today's psychological valuation of the market until three, four, five, six yeah. months down the track, by which stage everything may be back to normality. Or it may not. Yeah, who knows? You know, I think what's going to happen with this is that there will be this health crisis and we're all across all the actions that are underway to try and, everyone talks about it, flatten the curve. So, you know, to push it out so we don't have huge spikes in the contagion. But it may take one year, 18 months, two years before we get back to a, a different economic cycle. As a lot of businesses will hurt through this period of time, a lot of people will come under stress and under pressure. But I've been thinking about, I'm actually looking forward to doing this exercise to just essentially reprice our portfolio from a cash flow perspective. You guys have spoken a lot about cash flow right now and one of the biggest challenges, and and this is a portfolio that you guys have been critical in in helping us build over what would be now, Steve, seven or eight years, I would imagine, Mm. based based on the strategy that we've employed. And we'll get into that in a moment. But you know, one of the biggest challenges with that portfolio, it's not a small portfolio, it's not massive, but it's larger than most people's portfolio. The biggest challenge with that is that each property costs us about two and a half grand a year to hold. This is going to completely change our cash flow situation on our portfolio if we have interest rates coming back by a percent and a half, maybe 2%. It should be neutrally geared. I look forward to seeing it. On the assumption that the tenant is able to pay and you're still, still tenanted, but of course the government is starting to throw in incentives in terms of uh, both the tenants and landlords, and that's something that we need to be mindful of as well. Yeah, absolutely. But to your point, Victor, that you made around affordability, and this lends itself to the strategy that you employ, and that has not changed since we've known each other. I and mean, we must know each other now yeah. for what, nearly a decade or so. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's the base strategy of identifying good quality assets in affordable locations that have good cash flow potential or have the ability to upside or manufacture equity on. You haven't really deviated from that strategy at all, have you? No, no, I haven't. And I must also stress that a lot of people base their investing decisions based on software and based on projections for the next 10, 15, 20, 40 years. This is something you can't predict, right? So if your whole investing was based on a projection of 40 years and you are in year 39 and you have this, you're in all sorts of grief because you've only focused on one side of the equation, which was the value rather than the cash flow. We need to be focusing on both sides of the equation every single time and make sure that we are able to hold onto the portfolio in the bad times. That's the most critical thing in investing. Then the rest will look after itself as long as you can hold onto the property. And if, even if you look at your portfolio, Bill, everything has a direct reason for being in there. At the next point, it's cash flow first or cash flow management first because time will give you the growth. And if you're in year 39 of that 40-year plan and, you, crashing down. and you've had a synchronized double hit because you're about to retire, you've got your superannuation in the share market and you're wanting that now because you're retiring and you've just also took a massive cash flow hit at the top end of the market in residential real estate or commercial, then you might be having some mild anxiety attacks. But also on the other other end of the journey, if you're in year two of your 40-year plan and you've chased the blue chip property and you've lost your job and your tenant, it's bloody lucky that you've got rates at three and a half percent. This is one of the things we do, uh, Steve, when we sit down with the clients is we do the reviews. We are looking at this worst case scenario to say, okay, now that you've got these many properties in your portfolio, what does it look like from a worst case scenario? And then we balance it out to say, okay, right now you're carrying, as an example, say $10,000 negative cash flow. Let's get in a property or a strategy in play where it'll negate the negative cash flow so that you're running a relatively neutral portfolio. And that way it allows you to weather the storms like these, this storm quite well. No one will come out of this unscathed. I don't think so. There would be some that'll lose a lot, which is unfortunate. But keep your wits about you. What you'll find is that there will be a definite bounce in the market as long as you can keep your wits around you. Yeah, it's, you know, it comes down to mindset and how you choose to approach the world. And, um, mm. you know, to pick up a point you made, Steve, around where you choose to get your information from, you know, the media, and I've been watching this, and you know, I try not to do it because as soon as I go to any of the media or more tabloid media or social media, I instantly feel depressed, right? Like, it just completely yeah. shapes what you think in a way in which probably isn't that positive. So, you know, and then you turn to other sources, more reputable sources, which is a lot more balanced, and then you sort of sit there and think, oh, well, you know, it's not great, but it's not as bad as what you would think it would believe. So you need to be careful where you get your information from in terms of giving yourself an attitude to proceed and hopefully excel in this particular market. But the same applies because it's for property investors, where you get your property investment information from right now. Because if you read some of this media you be and you're using that to formulate your decision-making, you might not be making the right decisions. What would you be resting on right now in terms of the right information to help you make more informed decisions? Look, before I answer that, I want to go back because like a good journalist you are, you just drew me into something for me to have an opinion, which I probably shouldn't have. But there is a 
media organisation out there and a reporting organisation out there that should be bloody ashamed of themselves in the sensationalistic way that they've reported it and it's around the story, you know, not potentially, there will be 20% unemployment and or 10% unemployment, there will be a 20 to 30% real estate market crash. You know what, like that's just, it's irresponsible journalism and it's also the potential to start a self-perpetuating market because let's not forget that when you have a positive media, it can perpetuate in a positive manner, hence the FOMO boom. But equally important, too much negative media will create its own whirlpool effect as well. And especially when it's not backed up by fact, it's backed up by 18-year-old assumptive journalists that haven't had a day's breath on their own. Oh, geez, I was going to say something really bad then. <laughs> um, uh, Tell us what you really think, Steve. I I may not get another listener for the rest of our lives Um, but look I'm pretty passionate about it because look we've been doing this now for some 20 20 years years. so had mountains and mountains and mountains of different property cycles and my suggestion to people even if it's if you don't want to listen to us that's okay as well but at least listen to someone else who has been through multiple markets that this isn't their first pickup mm-hmm. and that just as importantly has been able to steer people through these times by implementing a strategy to begin with that kept them safe in moments like this would be my yeah. and even if like I'm not talking about us, there's other people that are equally as efficient and experienced as us. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. One of the and I'm seeing this now and, and I have a unique role within the property sector in that I know most people who operate within this marketplace, whether they're buyers agents or real estate agents or demographers or property analysts. And you know, it's a real privilege for me to be able to be that connected. And I'd say it's probably a pretty unique role across Australia. And one thing I get comfort out of is the fact that we have this cadre of professional people across all the, the sectors which are important for property investors, accounting, property buying, finance, et cetera that I know their intent is correct and they're there to actually offer and deliver exceptional services and exceptional advice and recommendations to property investors. That gives me a lot of confidence. On the flip side, there's a lot of people who, who aren't like that. And I'm not going to mention who they are. And, and this comes down to if you're in the market right now and you're looking to make more informed property investment decisions, you've got to be conscious about who you're chatting to. Are they acting and operating on your behalf? You're going to see a lot of people come out of the woodwork over this next period of time with with schemes or some other, you know, unique way to invest in property. You know, the purpose of this podcast, guys, and what our topic is, is why the basics are so important in times of crisis, in particular COVID-19. This is when you're going to know who's good and who's not. And, um, you know, it is your responsibility as a property investor to make those decisions. You've got to be accountable. Absolutely, you do. And... Yeah, at the end of the day, nobody holds a gun to your head to make a decision, and but you just want to make sure that that decision that you are about to undertake and spend, you know, half a million dollars, a million dollars, whatever it may be, has been well researched and well informed, so that you do sleep easy at night, which is you know one of our barometers. How well do you sleep at night? And that usually comes around cash flow management. Right, and the decision you need to make sure that the decision is not fueled by fear or greed. Right, because both sides of the spectrum will hurt you in today's market. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, pr- proceed with confidence. 
proceed with caution and uh, make sure we're informed. And what we're talking about here is, you know, one of the upsides of this market for people who are currently property investors is the fact that the cost to hold your property should be decreasing purely because of interest rates. Now, the challenge you have there is whether or not you can keep a tenant in there. And, and the government's working on this, and we'll keep updating this on on smartpropertyinvestment.com.au. And I know you guys will be producing stuff on your website, rightpropertygroup.com.au. So go and check out both uh, resources. But this compression factor, Victor, that you spoke about, I might just get you to just articulate that a little bit, bit more for our listeners in that if they currently have assets and are a property investor, how that works. But then for those who are looking at maybe entering the market right now or doubling down and if they can proceed with confidence, acquire some more assets, we're talking about investing in affordable areas. Now, I think a lot of people get confused with the word affordability, meaning affordability means it's a shit property, to pardon my French. Yeah. Affordability is pretty much what is affordable for most people that live within a particular area. And every single suburb, every single area, every single state capital, every single location is different what the measure of affordability is. That's correct. And it also ties back to your affordability factor as well, how stable your job is, how much slippage there is between money coming in and money going out. In other words, how much is left over. And um, naturally, you also still need to be looking at the employment notes. Just because something's half price, but there's no population or jobs to support it, it's not going to help you in the long run. So if you're looking to enter the market right now, how would you be approaching it? Well, the first thing I would look at is obviously making sure that I have got stability around myself first, right? Stability in terms of job, stability in terms of if you're not able to find a tenant for the next like, two months, and it could be possible. You know, would I be able to hold on to the asset? And looking at the worst case scenario, and then saying, okay, where does this fit so that I'm not losing momentum? And then, of course, comparing it against today's values, not yesterday's values, and projecting that it may go down initially before it bounces back up again in terms of value. I would be looking more so for the ability to hold onto the property, uh, still select a really good asset, that's key, in good areas, good metropolitan areas at this stage. And uh, I'd be looking at properties that would appeal to the masses, uh, because at some point in time, you may want to offload it in a better market to, to then realize your gains, to then perhaps pay down other debts that you may have accumulated, such as your own occupied debt. And that's the most basic in a first-hand approach before you try and get fancy with spreadsheets or anything like that. Yeah, and I just I want to reiterate the point too around because what Vic's talking about is cash flow management because cash flow management comes from not just your own liquidity but also liquidity within the market, mm. meaning how liquid is this asset should I need to sell it? What's the demand from a an accommodation point of view because that provides the cash flow being the tenant and then as that yield increases, so too does the value in a metropolitan area because it's not just about them the want, it's from an, an owner's point of view or a, an owner-occupier's point of view, but also from an investor's point of view. Mm-hmm. So once again, if we relay that back to the Sydney GFC time, Phil, when, you know, realistically, that's when you started, it was at the end of the GFC where we were getting 7% yields in Sydney. Now, we bought through the GFC. In fact, we probably bought more properties during the GFC than we did post yep. GFC because it was an opportunity. It was in metropolitan areas where accommodation is needed. There was a lack of supply once again in the pipeline. And as a result of that, we got our 7% gross 
yields across residential in Sydney. And I'm not saying Sydney's the only market, I'm just talking about that one because uh, we've mentioned it a few times. But as the yields in Sydney hit the 7%, so too did the mass of investors come out of the woodwork mm-hmm. because it was getting to a point where they identified it was cheaper to own the property than it was to rent the property. And if you compare that to today, it is the case. It is. More so. You look at the, the biggest expense and the biggest income, rent and mortgage, it's potentially cheaper to own it today than it is to rent it today. And I think people are not fools. The general public aren't fools. And they will certainly explore that, mm-hmm. uh, that option as it unfolds. But if I compare today to the GFC, once again, the trigger points are different. Very different. The fundamentals of this psychological scenario we have across the economy worldwide is different than the trigger or the reasons for the GFC. However, the outcome will be the same. Mm. Without Mm. doubt, the outcome will be the same as recovery happens. I think as quick as people got out of the market, whatever the market looked like to them, they're going to get back into it threefold. I think every time we sit down with people that have been investing for quite a while, the common thing they say is, I wish I'd bought more property during that period. Mm. not trying to drum up business over here, just trying to get you to understand that adversity brings opportunity. And usually what you find is that there is a strong resurgence of value, the value that's been lost. Uh, So now would be a good time to buy. But you shouldn't also overcommit and buy too many too rapidly because we don't know how long this crisis is going to last. We don't know how long the values will remain depressed because the element over here that's different to any other single time apart from the Great Depression is the employment factor, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, So until employment really picks up, you're not going to see a huge bounce in prices, but the minute it picks up, you'll start seeing prices taking around. And it will. Mm. This will, yeah. this will turn around. So it's really about curing. And once again, this is not drumming up business point commentary. It never has been. You are securing tomorrow's opportunity today, potentially today. Yeah. And I hope you brought that point up because, you know, in 10 years time, hopefully we're still recording this podcast, guys. You know, hopefully we're saying, oh, geez, I wish I bought more when I could have during that period of time. That would have been a great time to buy. Or... Geez, we're happy to buy too much at that point in time, but remember two years after it happened, how good those buying opportunities are. So you need to be engaged and connected. And a point that you made, Victor, is that it's the decisions that you make today is going to show you what your portfolio is going to look like in five and 10 years time. And having some understanding about your own personal portfolios, very much it was during the GFC that you both built out exceptional base portfolios, which projected you into doing a whole bunch of other stuff and creating wealth through property in different ways after the GFC. But that, that was essentially the making of, of a lot of your own individual portfolios sort of running up into and during. And then, you know, I sort of come to the stage a little bit later and, and got the backside of the GFC. That's when I started investing. But I realized a lot of those benefits coming off it at that point in time. And in many ways, that's the reason why I have the portfolio I have today. Yeah, exactly. Because you're able to expand, consolidate, expand, consolidate, and so on to where it sits today. And portfolios like ours, like yours, like our other clients, I think they'll come into their own now. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is where they'll shine. That's right. Yeah. Bill, I wanted to talk about one of the um, banks' health 
in terms of uh, helping uh, people hold on to their properties, which is giving them yes. three or six months moratorium on their mortgages. It is something if you needed to do it, you need to do it. But there are a few things that you need to keep into account, right? The information stands right now. The interest gets capitalized. So therefore, when the six month is over, your loan amount is higher. Plus, then you're tagging on another six months uh, time frame into your loan. So overall, you end up paying more. But if it means that you are able to hold on to your portfolio, do it, right? There are a few things that you probably would need to do beforehand such as, and I haven't fact-checked this, but this is logical, right? The few things that you would want to do is, if you've got a reader, pull that out first before you ask for that moratorium, because chances are, the bank will say, you know what, yeah, we'll give you six months reprieve, but your reader is gone, right? So it's really important that you think this through before you jump on and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to build myself six months worth of cash flow mm-hmm. by, by not paying any mortgages, in the long term, you're actually paying. The bank always wins. Yeah, be, this is the time to be even more methodical than ever. So don't be reactive because some of these decisions may hurt you in the long run. What the banks have done is ad- admirable. There's no yeah, doubt about that. Yeah, I agree. But the banks don't do anything without making money, and this will be a positive thing for their bottom line in the years to come because it's just it just keeps interest on interest on interest. However, cash flow is king. So if it means you need to take a three or six month break, then we certainly suggest you do it. One of the questions we've had quite a lot is, well, how will that affect me with future potential borrowings? The answer is, we don't know. (laughs) First time it's happened. Yeah, and nobody knows. But what I would say is that there's going to be a hell of a lot of people in the same position, as in Mr. and Mrs. Public. So that will roll out. But one of the things that that you should be doing now, because it's never been a better time in history, is to actually negotiate with the bank in terms of your rates. Like we have, you will never get this opportunity mm-hmm. again. We've never seen it. It's never happened. So ring the banks up, and if your interest rates are over market, whatever market looks like at this point in time, then what's worked very successfully for our clients is you ask for the reduction in the rate, and you give what other banks are willing to give you. Including the cash incentives the other in, banks are giving. Including the cash incentives. incentives, yep. And you usually get your first answer will be no, and then say, well, I want to speak to the, I don't know, the team leader, the manager, and then you'll get a little bit more traction and then it'll be no. Then ask for the retention team and start that again. And you know, probably 70% of the time you'll start to get a reduction as long as everything is in order because every basis point is money in your pocket, literally. And once again, this is the time, like never before, that you get a chance to to negotiate. Everything is negotiable at this point in time. Everything. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Victor, I'm happy you brought up that point in relation to, you know, the decisions you make now and how it may impact you in, in the future. So, you know, my view of it all is that you need the right information. You need the right guidance during this period of time, you know, and that might be your buyer's agent. You know, I'm, I'm leaning on you guys personally as a as a property investor and, and as one of your clients to help me shape how I approach our portfolio and, and see what we might do actually is up on the Smart Property Investment Show where we can do a bit of a portfolio review just to give a bit of an update on where we are right now. And, and we haven't yep. really bought much in that portfolio recently. Um, we've just been tinkering with it and waiting for opportunities. So, 
you know what, maybe this is one of them, but have a bit of a discussion about how our cash yeah. position has changed on that. So we'll do that definitely. But, you know, buyers, agents, mortgage brokers, your accountant, your financial planners, you guys are happy to chat to people if they just want to, you know, ask what they should be doing or how they should be approaching this market, Victor? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then sometimes you do need a reassuring voice or a voice of reason, especially with someone that's already gone through this in the last GFC and has seen people lose money because they are scared or acting out of fear. So you're welcome to give us a yell, questions at writepropertygroup.com.au or just reach out to us on our socials. Yep, happy to chat because sometimes our job is to slow people down as it is to mm-hmm. you know, help them adhere to the timeline. Yep. Yeah, that's good. And you know, you don't want to be missing out on opportunities because you're stalling decisions, but you don't want to be making decisions impulsively. And and just a reminder for our listeners, look, I hope you've enjoyed this chat we've had today. This is just a general conversation. We're not giving any advice whatsoever. This is just really the way we see the world. So, you know, hopefully it's going to help shape the way in which you approach this market moving in the future. But the guys are happy to have a chat with you if you want to actually get involved and, and speak specifically about your portfolio. I'll be doing that personally, and um, I highly encourage you to speak to whoever you use as your advice panel, your A-team, draw on them right now, and um, the good operators, the good professionals will be very accessible for you. Uh, Gents, hopefully um, next month, I wonder what we'll be talking about. Well, I wonder if we'll be face-to-face next time or yeah, over the interweb like yeah, we are at the moment. We missed the coffee, Phil. You saved money buying us coffee. You know what? I, to be fair, this has gone pretty well. So just to, I know this is audio for our, our listeners, but we're keeping very visual. I can see Steve and Victor, they're working, they're still doing what they're doing. I can see them, we're still connected, we're still engaged. I do prefer doing it in person because I number one, I enjoy catching up with you guys. But number two, um, you know, we have a good time when we get together and, and we deliver a good product across this podcast. But you know, this has been good. This is I'm, I'm happy with this. We can press ahead like this until we can get back together. And feel free to subscribe on YouTube for our property group. Uh, we have, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds of videos there, educational pieces or opinions or whatever it may look like. So make sure you subscribe to that as well. And as usual, we you know, love the ratings on this podcast because it means a lot to us as well. Yeah, nice one. And I appreciate them as well. It, it's good and, you know, it's a real privilege for us to be able to deliver this information. And we know how many people listen to this podcast as well. So it's nice and this is me personally, I'm a journalist, I'm not a property investment professional, but, you know, to know that what we do is actually helping people through what is sometimes good times and what is less good times. And we're in one of those less than good times right now, but I think we've articulated the opportunity for people to navigate through this particular market, why the basics are so important in times like COVID-19. Uh, and this is going to be a theme for us moving forward. I, I doubt we're going to probably record a podcast for the next two years without talking about COVID-19. This is the world before COVID-19, the world after COVID-19. So that's going to be the benchmark moving forward. And, and for our generation or for you know, the next 100 years, this is going to be a formative period of time for not only Australia, but globally. So we'll try and keep you informed, connected and engaged as we deliver these podcasts. Gentlemen, thanks so much for your time. We'll be in touch. We'll chat again soon. Love it. See you. See you later. Nice one. See you guys. Bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.